0: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming that
1: you have all read
0: chapters. I have not.
1: So. Okay. so what are we reading? Chapter 9 on charity? Eight Eight and nine, right? Or 9 and 10? Nine, 9 and, nine and ten. 10. And chapter
0: 10 on hope.
2: 9 and 10, oh, I see, yeah. book ten three,
0: 3, chapter 9, chapter 10. The first question being on the meaning of charity, which is what Lewis discusses in the beginning of the chapter.
1: Okay.
2: You know, just because it's recording. Benjamin,
1: you read it out loud for us. What, yeah, in the car.
2: Yeah, you have to be quieter. Would you like me to read it if you can?
1: No. Do you guys get around Okay, before? so he
2: starts it off by distinguishing the difference in... Uh, affection and, and just liking somebody or something, and doing your duty as a Christian, and you know the because he says, which the kind of people that you're gonna like is is not you know it's not a virtue and it's not a sin. It's just like the kind of food you're gonna like. You know, it's who you are and you know who God made you. I think that's question uh, two. <laughs> what? That's question two.
1: The, he the chapters, well, well, he, he actually has. is he, referring back to what he wrote before. He starts in it, chapter 7. Well, he, and he was saying that, that the, the meaning of basically what it means to love your neighbor or to have charity towards your neighbor is to wish him well. Okay. You don't have to like him. You don't have to enjoy him, but you have to want well for him. Like, let's say, you know, you, you're in the diametric opposite of me personality-wise. I don't have to like that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know. You and three other guys at church, you like to jump out of airplanes and bungee cords and go whitewater rafting. And I'm just like, I like those guys or, or I don't really like hanging out with them. Cause every time I do, I, you know, they make me feel dumb. Cause I don't want to jump out of airplanes with them, but I, you know, I don't want them to crash and I don't want bad things to happen to them. And, and I want them to find, you know and then there's of course the negative side of it you know I don't like him because he's yeah whatever you know so he, he explained you don't have to like someone to love them mm-hmm. but to love them is to want good for them you know mm-hmm. well his thing is that charity is an
0: act not a feeling mm-hmm. it's something that you do and it's yeah. not but the if you do the acts then what happens most of the time then you will develop feeling
1: but it's a byproduct not the starting point
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you don't react because of the warmness you feel. Yeah, you react because God's word says to, and then you learn the beauty of the fact that the, the feelings come. Yeah, it's it's like with kids, you know. We do all of the. We don't know them. It's not like you know James. Like you're getting to know James. Mm-hmm. You might not even like the James. He's stubborn and. <laughs> he's self-centered and you know what i'm saying you don't may not like that about james Mm -hmm. but you you want well for him like you want him to grow up to be a good man of god and you want him to grow up and be Mm -hmm. you know a good husband and and a good son and you want it you want him to be happy that's what you want
3: yeah and my actions reflect that and you're
1: and what happens is is he's not really doing anything for you but because you do all this stuff for him there's probably not a little boy on planet earth you love that much and he's never done anything for You know, it, when I say you don't, you understand what I'm saying. He doesn't, he doesn't ever pay the electric bill. He never picks up the tab when you guys go out. Yeah. He, you know, never drives so you can rest. He doesn't clean up after church for you so you can talk and fellowship. Nothing. He doesn't do anything like that. You know? Yeah. He, it's all a one-way giving, sort of a thing, because he's a child.
3: Yeah.
1: So, what is the ch- definition of charity? I believe he said when you want good for someone else mm-hmm. and your actions reflect that you want that good for them. That's question one.
0: The second question is uh, on the difference between affection and charity. I really
2: that. And that's what that's, that's what, what was Harrison saying. and
1: I was talking about. Like, yeah. and that's what we were even discussing mm-hmm. a minute ago. You know, there are people you just like. Man, I love science fiction, and I love to play those card games, or whatever those things are. You know, or yeah. or I read uh, tons of <laughs> totally books, maybe. or you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm into what you're into, and or even even a, a wife. You know, you meet a woman and you're feeling like you may, you know. There may be all the women in the church, and they're nice, but there's one you're very particularly interested in. Her name's Caitlin, <laughs> you know. So, so that affection, that closeness that you share, is unique. You know, Jesus had friends like this, and this this is something I think some people have a difficult time with. It's actually partly what I'm going to be teaching about in Myanmar. Jesus had friends that he liked more than he liked other people and how do we know it because he went to where he wanted to be with them he sought them out when he was in difficult times he would go to the house of Lazarus and Mary and Martha he you know it was G- John that was right next to him at the meal table yeah you know um, you know the Robinettes maybe you know were close to the brownfields in a, in a kind of a neat way I don't really know understand why but we kind of are and so they're very comfortable, and they don't, they're do not they not a lot of work for us. You know how some people you're around, it's kind of like, you know, maybe I'm that way for you. Like, oh, Pastor Mark comes over, I've got to entertain him, and he may talk me into the ground. And, mm-hmm. and you may like me and be thankful that I'm your pastor, but if you were just wanting to chill, you might not hang out with me. But you might. Right. It's okay, yeah. you know, if you were like, hey, you know, I want to play cards. And you go, yeah, I wish Jonathan would come <laughs> over and I'd play cards. Oh, Mark's <laughs> coming. Okay, we'll have a good time, but that's not, you know. I've had a rough week, and I was really just kind of wanting to to chill out. That's not so bad. Yeah, it's okay, you know. And you know, so in this thing of affection, I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, and so then he deals with how it becomes harmful in question three, right? Yes. So, how this, could that become that? harmful?
0: Well, his point in. Showing the fact that affection and charity are not the same is the fact that affection can make you do things that are not charitable towards people, Mm. and you you can't uh, something can't cause you to do the exact opposite of the of the very antithesis of itself.
1: So I have affection for. Okay, I think we even talked to you guys about this one time, resisting the temptation to just have the Downies and the, and the other narwhals over because they're, you're all related to each other in a sense.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That, you know, people tend to gravitate towards groups. Not, yeah. And it's not wrong to have the group. It's wrong to have the group to the exclusion of others. You know? So you weren't expecting me and I pop over and now it's like You know what I mean? Yeah. And I kind of get that feeling like I'm not really wanted and mm-hmm. okay, you know, or you you're doing this and I'm hurting and I, and I'm not in any group. And I'm lonely and my wife's been sick and no one ever calls me and you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you're so caught up in the affections that you have that you never think about, you know, hey, you know, Andy's wife died. Like, when have I ever called him and encouraged him, or called him to tell him I love him, or wrote him a card, or asked to meet him for breakfast? And mm-hmm. because maybe he's different than you, or even maybe in your heart, when you think of him, all you think about is the pain of the grief that he just went through, and it's hard for you. Mm-hmm. So, so these affections can be dangerous because you don't have that, it's more trepidation. Like, mm-hmm. and I, we've seen this, you know. In your mom's church before, when her brothers died, it was difficult for people to be around her family. Because when they were around their family, all oh, they were like, well, her brothers died. <laughs> like, that, that's all they could think about. And, and so they were like afraid to have fun. They were, they were afraid to enjoy them. They were afraid they were going to say something to hurt their feelings. And so it, it ended up destroying their church.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Because rather than doing the things that charity requires, it was too difficult for them and so they went through the motions of following affection rather than charity charity says "All right, when one part of the body suffers what do we do we suffer with them Mm -hmm. so part of our Christian duty is going places we don't like to go hanging around with people we don't like and loving them when they need our love Mm -hmm. would that be the same thing to say that that's talking about
0: this question also ties back into what you were talking about earlier today with The Great Divorce. A the very, Great Divorce? The yeah. Great Divorce, a very large theme is about people loving things to the point uh-huh. of literally dragging
1: them to hell. Yeah. There's a scene in The Great Divorce we were talking about earlier. Did you Have you listened to it or read it? I haven't. It's great. So this woman, they let people, this is of course not, he's not trying to be literal like he thinks this is what this is like. But right. in The Great Divorce, People in hell get to take periodic vacations to heaven, and the people in heaven try to convince them to stay, mm-hmm. and they don't want to stay. They would rather be in hell. So this woman comes, and she goes, "All right, now that I'm here, you, I mean, <laughs> I didn't want to come here." Okay. Now she doesn't know this is heaven. She just knows it's different than where she is. Okay. Where's Michael? And Michael's her son. Okay. Where is Michael? And they're like. You're, you don't need to worry about Michael. Michael's fine. They're like, actually, we've that. He's here. That- Michael's here. Well, where is he? Well, you can't see Michael right now. For his own protection. <laughs> yeah. For his, for, for his own good right now, you can't see him. Well, you know what? I've got a real problem. I mean, why did God take him from me? And they're like, man, <laughs> you're not really to understand the whys of, about God right now. Well, you know what? And, and so basically she's got this angel that's with her that's trying to talk her into like, listen, forget about Michael. Yeah, And she's like, I'm not forgetting about Michael. I want him. I'm mad. He had no right to take him from me. And she's like really angry. Okay, She's yeah. bitter. She's angry. And finally, at some point, uh, the, woman that he, the woman, if she could have her wish, she loved Michael so much she'd like to take him from heaven to hell with her so she could take care of him so she could yeah. take care of him and and they go uh, and so he mentions some uh, uh, a mother and a son in hell that she knows the 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 rupert's or the the the, 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 the you know some last name yeah he goes, well, we're not like we wouldn't be like them i mean all she ever does is talk about him And it makes everyone sick. Like we can't do anything without hearing about her, Rupert. Her Rupert. And and you know what? She wants him to be the center of attention all the time. And then when she is, she complains that people won't leave him alone. You know. And so she's like, no, no, no. It's different with me and Michael. Oh, okay. Man, we need you to forget about Michael. God is not a means to getting Michael back. Yeah. And then you know, there's this whole explanation that God had a relationship with Michael that it transcends yours he belonged to, he has a more ancient, and this whole discussion goes on, but she never gets it. Where is my son? She she
0: makes the claim that, you know, how dare you say there's anything greater
1: than a mother's love. So this is a danger of affection. People take mother's love and they elevate it to the highest love. And it's, you know, loving your, loving your child is great. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, as a pastor, I'll tell you this, you could love James Mm -hmm. so much that he could be a holy terror one day. And I come to you and I try to help you because I love you. Like, I know that coming to you is risky on my part because you may hate me for it. Because people do. People get so territory over, territorial over their children that when you try to deal with them, they will hate you. And I just, mm. I'm like, you know, I get ready for this. Like, you know, the claws are coming out and they're like, they're like, you know, your kid's a brat next thing you know, they're like, Your kid Gideon, he kicks people and he's a brat and what you're and you're like going You know, and you have to not you have to not let your affection for your son upset you to, from pastoring them, you know? And you, and next thing you know you're mad and all and, and if you had if you could step away from it and be like reading the story about what was going on, you'd be like, Some guy loved this other man enough to help him so his son is a One day, an alcoholic and a miserable (laughs) wretch who hates his mom and dad, and he's doing this at the peril of his own life. And you go, that guy's a saint, you know. But when when you're in the middle of it and you're just like, hey, you know, Josh, you got to do something about Caitlin. Mm -hmm. She's wrecking every women's meeting, (laughs) and and you're like, you don't like my wife. And I'm like, that's not what I said. You know? (laughs) Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So is that that's what we're talking Mm -hmm. about? This is where affection gets us in trouble, because it you know you know one of the things submit to them that that have the rule over you and watch for your soul you know, and so they're coming to you and you're just going get out get out this is my territory leave me alone I love my kids I love my wife you have no right and in that respect affection can become possessive rather than
0: sacrificial in its nature when it is by itself
2: yeah the affections can they can become your drive and purpose instead of a result of man's responsibility
0: which is why you can have people who love people so much that they'll kill them rather than let them leave
1: yeah do you know when i was a newspaper writer i was i was unaware of this phenomenon and the, it never made the papers like it was kind of a at our paper they would not publish that, but it would happen a lot. where a man and, and this one in particular situation, uh, I was at the the uh, the inquests of this woman who'd been killed at this grocery store, and I listened to the witnesses and all that would have happened. but over and over, you see that these people, they're so you know, they're so in love. That they end up killing their wife. They love her so much they kill her. Isn't that insane? But but if you take the rationale of it, and Lewis deals about this in the Four Loves about loving somebody or this charity that he's talking about, this true love for somebody, mm-hmm. is it something that wants to possess them and own them? It's it's a desire for their good. Yeah. So so the the and I've seen this. There have been people that have become members of our church that um, there's weird things that happen they, they will love me and then they will end up hating me and 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 the hate is so crazy that it's like scary it's like stalker hate and what it is is they they actually loved me like like they, they they thought I was the nicest guy they ever met and they like kind of fell in love with me as a person and when they found out that I wasn't really up for that and I don't mean love like in a deviant way, but I, it is a deviant way. It's an ungodly way. You know, you, a man can love his wife that way. Uh, I have been guilty of that sin in my own home, of loving my wife more than God. And God has had to deal with me about that, you know. And so so this, this is a man-love thing. Yeah. And it is dangerous, and it it desires to have, and the end of it, honestly, is they kill them. If they can't have them, and if they can't get what they want out of them, they kill them. Mm-hmm. And this happens like every day. You'll hear about it on the news, you know, murder, suicide. There were billionaires, remember, did you read about the Canadian billionaires recently? I think so. They found these two people, billionaires, husband and wife, dead in their home. <laughs> murder, suicide, like, what? Like, how, how could you be a billionaire? And kill your wife and kill yourself. Like, your, your life is so messed up. I mean, you'd think if it was bad enough, you could just get on a plane and, like, go somewhere fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but apparently they'd run out of places to go. <laughs> and, and, and they, you know, each one of you, know, I want you to love me, you know. Yeah. And the deal is, is that if you were married to Caitlin and Caitlin just couldn't love you like you wanted, mm-hmm. that isn't the end of life. Because loving God is the highest thing. I mean, it's wonderful to have a wife who loves you and respects you, but, you know, Lewis is talking about in this, he said, a man that shoots for heaven will get heaven and earth, but a man who shoots for the best things on earth will lose heaven and earth. And so you're like, you know, I'm going to have the best marriage, I'm going to have the best kids, I'm going to have the best, you know, and you're shooting for this earthly thing. And, you know, she's, I love her more than anything. Oh. We're so you know, and then when it doesn't bring satisfaction, which is what Lewis is talking about, you know, then what do we do? Then we go, we look for another woman, and that's what adultery, and that's what ends up happening. This woman isn't meeting those needs. Well, there must be another one that will. No, that kind of love doesn't do it. You know, material things don't do it. We we can enjoy the material world, we can enjoy the great gifts of God, but when that becomes our goal, Mm -hmm. you know, there there was a guy. It said, you know, I want to be in ministry like you because I, I want people to respect me. This is what it, That's what he said. And I remember going, what? Like, it never occurred to me that a person would want to be in ministry because they really like people looking up to them. But people do look up to you if you're in ministry and you're loving them. And I have gotten some of the most kind letters from people in our church, and I've probably gotten them from you. I don't know. I get very nice things. And people do like me, and they do look up to me. But that's a byproduct. Mm-hmm. You know, if I if I enjoy that, and I aim for that, I, I'm not going to get that. And that, just, that's what he
0: talks about here, is if you do charity for other people thinking that you're going to get something out of it, you never will because people can always tell when you're doing something to get something out of it. that it's inherent to human beings that we know when someone is trying to get us in their debt mm-hmm.
1: and that's part of that, that that love that's gone wrong you know you go you know what I want Pastor Mark you know he's always wanting to sit with Jeff Brown for Benair with me and I, you know, I'm going I'm to go over there, and I'm going to split the wood in his yard, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to babysit his kids, and I'm going to, you know, do all this, so that I will have these feelings you're wanting me to have for you. And then they don't come, and now you're so furious. You're like, I did all of that, and this is this happens in marriage. This happens in relation. It happens everywhere. It's the it's the I'm doing this with this in mind, and and. You know, being married, these men are not. This is something that, that is a trap. You know, you want something from Caitlin. Mm-hmm. And you go, you know what? She's at the store. When she gets back, I'm going to have the place cleaned up. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this. And when she sees that, then she's going to go, hubba, hova and she gets home and she doesn't notice at all. Yeah. And then she complains that you didn't wipe the table off. And you're like <laughs> and, and you're like that because you did you did all of this for that. Right. And you didn't get it. Yeah. So so, so that so the tit for tat didn't work.
0: And and that's another thing that causes church issues. People do things and they expect you to know that they did this. I showed up every week like you on time you're like never well, did good anything for, you. for me for all these things that we were doing for you and they'll be like they'll do it in
1: secret and they'll do all this and we cleaned like, up the church every week for what? six months and you never said you never even noticed i'm like i didn't know you did
0: and that they'll I'm hold like, oh
1: so you were doing that so i would notice oh, okay the like,
0: people will do <laughs> it and then they'll hold it against you that you haven't noticed or repaid them for the great deeds that they have done that they were doing in secret. You start to cue score. They, they're in their minds <laughs> like I oh, I, so when you do something bad to them all the things that they've done all those good works for you like and then he forgot to bring ice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was like, he can't even yeah. bring his stinking ice back.
1: I think this is personal for you son <laughs> I'm just saying like John's. John how many I times people, right? have you been involved know, in a situation where
0: people have these secret issues with you and then they're um, angry at you and then you're it's like happened so many like, times. As because pastor, you did this like, on purpose just to tune hurt me I mean, and then your, you're your like, reaction is I didn't have any idea that like, yeah. uh, uh, do I, do. I, I forgot to you know get this or I <laughs> didn't know that was even going on because yeah. you didn't tell me yeah
1: and they'll be like and then I'm oh, like I'm sorry. I totally and they're like, oh no, we know. No, no, and some of them. We th- know what you're thinking. and I'm like, <laughs> I, I, know you're convinced that you know, but I hate to let you know, I just
0: didn't notice. And the worst is when they do it and they never tell you. They never actually say why they're angry. Just they up well, you one day, know. Some, you up and one day someone leaves. No word, no nothing. Just like, oh, you know.
1: And like they, they won't even do that. They're just they're gone. Oh yeah. I don't have to tell you, Josh. You don't. You're like... You I'm this. dense. I wouldn't know.
3: I'd be like, what do
1: you... What? I don't... What do that's more do? insult-like. They're like, like, they're like serious. yeah, right. If I have to tell you, then... <laughs> that, that says everything right there. And, and <laughs> it then, says it all right there. You're like, I guess it does. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's put Charity, you you do it without expecting anything in return. That That's the... The Mm -hmm. only way that charity works or otherwise, all your good deeds will just be, you know, weights of unpaid debt on everyone else. Like, why hasn't God done this for me because of all I've done? Why haven't they noticed and appreciate me? Yeah. Because in your heart, you're doing it for the expectations of what you're getting out of it. You'll become bitter and discontent, which is why people who do lots of really good deeds will eventually, they burn out, and they become the most reprobate people there, there are because they didn't
1: get any reward out of it. So what's the point? Mm-hmm. All right, so this brings me to, I mean, we talked about people, and now, you, now you've brought it full circle to God. And a guy like Andy Kusel his wife dies. And and he will, and I, okay, I remember when I went through a divorce. And you know, you know what the number one white-hot emotion I was having was? I was furious at God. I didn't fool around with girls before I got married. I never smoked and drank behind the back of the church with all these other people in the church. I lived a godly life, and this is what I get. And I'm telling you, I threw a throw-down temper tantrum. Oh, this is how you repay me. For all these things I did for you, not understanding that, the, the, that a life of righteousness is for me. I can never be good enough for God to be oppressed. Yeah. The only, I mean, our sin completely separates us from God and we're wretched. Yeah. At our very best, we're wretched, you know? And so here I am expecting God to be impressed by me. And so when my life circumstances go down the drain, I lost my job my wife died i go through a divorce you'll find that you'll find the essence of do people have a relationship with god or do they just love their wife or do they just love their whatever you know mm-hmm. if if how they act and and for me it's been very encouraging and i pray that i'm not missing it andy seems thankful and not bitter and not despondent I mean, mourning that he's lost his wife. But when he lost his wife, he didn't lose everything. She wasn't his everything. Mm-hmm. God is his everything, and she was one of the good things along the way. You know. Anyway. Yeah. Thanks for bringing it around, on that, Nathaniel. That's, well, what that's you, where, where it goes. It
0: answers the, the final question on the charity. Why is charity important? Because it prevents you from getting in that mindset of good works. Because even being reformed and not believing that good works save us there's still that partner mind where we think that our good works are still worth something and that they're that we can well, they're, bargain, they're worth the
1: currency like I did this so
0: we, we feel like there's some weight like why hasn't this you know this thing of the enemy fallen to all of the hard work that I've put in you know fighting the fighting the abortion mills and nothing happens You become angry and bittered and disheartened because Mm -hmm. people have turned against you and, you know, the government's collapsing because it's gone evil, like all this. And people become angry and like it's the end, it's over because they think that the things that they did guarantee them an automatic effect, not realizing things only happen when God wants them to and when God needs them to happen. He can choose or not choose to let what you're doing be of effect, mm-hmm. and sometimes he'll choose for you to do things even though they're not going to have any effect at all, because it's not the whole reason you're doing them is just
1: because that's what you should be doing, not because they will have an effect, yet yeah, not because God needs. You know, if Nathaniel doesn't do that, then his plan is not going you know to I mean? come to. If ba- you well, do, well, yeah, if you're, he'll have Josh do it instead. If 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 Nathaniel doesn't do it. God will have Josh do it, or he'll have me do it, or Harrison. God doesn't need us. We get to be involved, you know, and I know it's been me talking about Myanmar earlier, but I'll bring it back. When I get worried and discouraged that people are not giving and helping with it, and I'm like, I'm ready to quit. I've heard God say to me this, You can quit. And I'll let somebody else be blessed with taking care of these people. How how about, if you can't handle being the one to bless them and love them and be the answer to their prayers, because that's, like, I am the answer to their prayers. But I am not because of my own self. I am because of all of, this is a great place to be. I'm saying, you're not in that place. You don't go and they don't look at you like you're the greatest thing on earth, and they do me, and it is Wonderful. And and, and and I mean it's it's embarrassing. Like they're just oh Pastor Gunnar, you are oh my big brother. I oh you care so much for us. And I do. But what's that worth to me? God could have Harrison do it instead. Mm-hmm. And the deal is is am I seeing the blessing of this burden that God has given me? And and then I got to go. Okay, okay. Like, wait a minute. This isn't about if because I keep thinking, like when I when I get overwhelmed, like with my wife's illness and all that, and I'm like, this is too much. I'm not doing this anymore. I can't keep this up. This where sometimes I go with certain things. And God's like, Mark, it's okay. You don't have to do it. I'm doing this. I'm just letting you. This is a good part of your life. And what I have seen is my life is actually richer and fuller and more blessed because of this. That I would be, if I stopped doing it, I would be losing. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be giving up that thing that stresses me out. I would be giving up, giving up the thing that really is beautiful and fruitful in my life that if I just would just quit worrying about it. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Do what I need to do. Believe God will take care of it. And relax. And I, and so I did recently I told it I said that's it I said I'm done doing it the way that I've been doing it for a while I was all worried and stressed and I said I'm just I said if God provides he does and if he doesn't I'll know he wants me to do something else but I'm not going to be unthankful and I'm not going to stress about it and drive our church crazy and myself and the family and I'm just not going to do it and I have just watched God provide 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 like I raised 3000 dollars this week you know and paid for that whole funeral of that little boy you know that drowned down there just I mean nobody knows what we do you know but paid for his coffin and his little burial area and the meal afterwards and you know it was like $1,000 but in America it had been $9,000 you know and we'd think oh that's a lot of money well the little boy drowned and their hearts are broken and they drove over mountains to get to this and they're, they're just you know and so I got to do that. I got to help them do that. I just think that's that's yeah. good.
0: That's great. What transitions nicely into the subject of the next chapter and why he has it here is the reason why we can love and do charity is because we have hope in something that isn't about what happens in this world and in this life. We, we already know that we've won. That it's going to happen. It's not. It's it's already sealed and done, and we know exactly the way it's all going to end out. So we do what we do, not because if we do or do not do them, things are going to happen. We work, do them in the hope that we get to be the one whose works does get to hell and mm-hmm. does do it. But that's just the point. We're we're not. The hope is not in if I do these works, then I will get these results. It's in the hope that. God will do it through whoever he wants to. And I'm just making myself available to do the work that I think God is wanting me to do. Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, being available there for when God decides to And use it, it saves you from feeling unappreciated. It saves you from feeling unrewarded or unnoticed. Because you're not doing it for appreciation and for notice. Mm-hmm. You're just doing it because God says to do it. And you're enjoying it,
3: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: because it's right and God gives you the fruits of all those good things that come, those feelings, those love what a great thing we're farming the fruit by doing what's right so. So the, whole, the whole beginning of the chapter
0: on hope is all about the fact that the greatest men in history have been Christians who were so focused on heaven and doing things and living life as though they were in heaven already that they mm-hmm. turned earth into heaven <laughs> by their mere not caring about earth,
3: yeah,
1: not caring about what happens in the now. So the scripture set not your affections on things on the earth, but set your affections on things in heaven. It says where moth can't get to, where rust cannot corrupt, where thieves cannot break in and steal. You know where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So if our hearts are in heaven, we can make earth the beauty of earth will become heaven you know a foretaste at least of heaven
3: yeah I was just thinking I I was thinking of a quote from I think it's like Indy Wilson and he's talking about something else but he's saying he's using uh, storybooks as an example and he's saying what what do you want the hero to do in the story do you want him to defeat the dragon there's got to be a dragon yeah and I was just thinking in this case you know say the dragon's there and he's got to be defeated and you've been told he's going to be defeated he might kill a thousand of you but he's going down are you going to stand by or you want to be part of that like I want to be a part of that you know yeah do I I want to actually be one of the guys who takes down the dragon
2: or even if you just you just fight the dragon until you die and don't even touch the dragon
3: yeah but I know he's going down and I got to be a part of that
2: I I just read today in, in the institutes Calvin's talking about about today's church and the leaders and uh, he's talking about how being a pastor or bishop or presbyter you know it shouldn't be a it's not an honorable place of power where you're over top of everybody it's more of a responsibility and burden that you were chosen to carry you know
1: so so. well me and the boys had an excursion to watch the declassified you know, mission of General General Dothan, or Doshan, or I'm not exactly how to say mm-hmm. his name, with the United States, it's called 12 Strong. Mm-hmm. And this is where I wouldn't have thought about this quote applying here. And I told you there would be some quotes that would live on, and I'm, this was about to live on again for me. He was explaining to the Americans why they were not gonna win. He said, we might win today, but ultimately we're not gonna win. And he says, well, why is that? He said, the men you're fighting, he said, uh, he, "He said you guys fight for one reason, and your reason is, is because, uh, because you want to live, and you want to live in freedom. He goes, and for you, living is better than dying. He goes, but the people here, he said, their life, dying is better than the life they're living, the life they're living every day is miserable and difficult. And so, the idea of going out in a blaze of glory in a battle—that's way better than, you know, getting your head cut off by the Taliban and watching your family be ravaged by, you know, all these uh, radical Muslims. And so, can you see where this applies? When we begin to see Earth and the things here, even that are good, if we begin to see them as a misery in comparison to heaven, if we are more concerned about gaining heaven than conquering earth, then we may be the kind of warriors we need to be for the kingdom of God. So, anyway.
0: Yeah. Saying that answers into the whole uh, first question of the 10th chapter here, that, you know, what is the effect? Is that the hope of heaven makes Christianity unstoppable because it doesn't matter what the actual world is like at the time. The same drive to push forward it will exist no matter what. It's not dependent on your
1: success.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah. The, you know, I interviewed a guy who was in a concentration camp and he told me there were people that would live other people would die but when people had a hope of something else like my daughter had a baby or my wife had a baby and I've never seen them in their darkest hours the thing that kept them alive versus the ones that died and most of them died that were in the camp with them was they the people that lived are people that had a will to live Mm -hmm. that it was so horrible that what they went through the sickness the starvation the torture Mm -hmm. That people, some people would just literally die because they had no more will to or live. Or even the people, they would have the will to live, and then they'd find out that was gone, and then
2: they they would like almost they would die, instantly, instantly die. Instantly die. There, there was no point in living. There's nothing to
1: get out and go, go. to. Yeah. yeah. So you know, the Bible says that in in um, Romans 10, for we are saved by hope. And and so that's how hope affects the Christian life, our hope of heaven. So you know. What if ISIS took over the United States and we watched unthinkable things happen? I mean, what if a guy stood in the back of this and I you know, now that we're doing our preparedness, I'm imagining one day I mean it's gonna happen in some church somewhere, but what if it happens here and a guy gets off twenty rounds and, and you know, kills ten of our church members? I mean part of you would just be like, What's the point? You know, kills our children, shoots my wife. I have no idea what could happen but it could happen just that quick Mm -hmm. you know and so then at this point what do you just give up in despair is that your hope were were those people your hope you know what were you hoping for well we were hoping this would never happen well it did so now what Mm -hmm. you know I mean when Calvin lived the plague killed everyone in his entire village (laughs) the city of what Noël, and how did he survive that well that's horrible. It's unthinkable. It's terrible. But our hope is not here in this world. Right? What did Paul say? If I have hope in this life only, I am, of all men, most miserable. miserable. You know. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, Derek, I was talking to Derek the one time, and he said, he was talking about anxiety, and he said... uh of what exactly he said but it was basically like let, let the other shoe drop in your mind just just think of the worst thing that could happen and think uh, of okay, it just happens what if it happens so what and, and that that you know that can free you from from the anxiety because you're like okay yeah that could happen I can't do anything about it but yeah. it's not the it's not the it's not the end goal anyway to not lose that thing
1: yeah and it's or a to mindset not have that thing happen. It's amazing how literally just thinking about something different changes everything. You know, um, years ago, there used to be this uh, deal, and then you were really hurting yourself. Um, Have you ever heard of the term going postal?
3: I don't know where it's from, but yeah.
1: (laughs) The term going postal is that postal workers on a regular basis would go crazy and shoot people. And this happened at the post office. They just freak out. And the idea was the mail never stops coming, and it never all gets delivered. And so they never there was no end. Mm. And so mentally, there are people that just can't deal with this. They need, like you know, a house is built. <sighs> okay, let's go to the next thing. There, there was
0: no sense of completion. Yeah, and human beings need. Well, it's why God gave there to be days and years and seasons and weeks we need a little bit of beginnings and ends to make things sense or otherwise right. we get then you realize exactly how long time is and the, the whole repetitive nature of everything and then you have an existential crisis and yeah could you mind. imagine if
1: you worked every day and you next day next day no no, no Saturdays and Sundays no Lord's Days no time off just no every, weeks. Day, every day every day every day and it never stops Mm-hmm. At a certain point, I'm and sorry. your only change
0: was, you know, every every three months when the new season would change, and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna work three months straight." No, that would thing. be that would be a great day. You know what I mean? Well, that's why if harvest have- festivals were so exciting for farming people. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing. Like, this is why you hear about people like the things that people in the countryside would become interested in is like you don't realize the monotony of life. Like, you, like why these people are like interested in like you know these weird goofy vaudeville humor type things like when you spend you know 95 percent of your life working in a field all day every day and all of your friends do the exact same thing and there's nothing that ever happens because all you're doing is working in a field Mm -hmm. you will find anything at all you know what i mean like anything would be funny anything would be entertaining that wasn't that Right, you know what I mean. Watching paint dry with
1: literally Drinking, more, more intricate getting wild, staying up all night, and getting drunk. And yeah, I always find I was thinking so funny in these movies where these guys will work all week, work all week, and then spend their whole paycheck on Friday night. And I'm like, <laughs> that's like, like I, I'm in pain. It's a it's a movie. It's not actually happening. But yeah, I'm just like, they spent their whole check. Like they got to live six more days. They gotta work all next week. How do they even, I mean, this all goes in my but mind. You know? But the deal is, is that they're so they just like, oh, I don't care.
0: Yeah. They
1: they don't think any farther ahead than the. the so to so that in. goes to your last question, right? How do people well answer the problem
0: of unfulfilled longing? Because what he talks about is you know people finding it difficult to understand this idea of you know heaven, and his point is that you all want heaven, you just don't know that's what it is that you're wanting. Okay, that, he was. Uh, goes Josh back. Josh wasn't here when we were talking. This goes before. back all the way to the beginning, which is one of the first points he makes about there being
1: a morality. Is okay, have, so it's like this: when a man gets thirsty, Josh, you know what it means. There's a such thing as water. <laughs> so the desire means that there's something to fulfill that desire. Okay. So he's saying that men have these longings, and they try to use the things of the earth. You know, it'd be like, you know, you drink kerosene. Well, no, that didn't do it. You know, only when you get to water. Oh, okay, that's what it is that I want. You know, yeah. that, and it's not anything else. I'm, oh, oil? No, that didn't do it. Like, I gotta have water. But you don't know what it is. You know. Yeah. And so, so how do people? It says how the three ways. I don't know the three ways, but I thought I remember him saying, you know, a man tries to find this in a woman, and he doesn't, so what does he do? He gets another woman. And he thinks that'll do it. Or he gets money, and what does he do? Well, he wants more money, you know. And they're perpetually
0: chasing this ethereal feeling of the the closeness, and they'll be so close together, and they'll be, you know, they'll be like one. Mm -hmm. But the realization that they're actual people, and that never realizing this is... So they say, well, it must be the person. Which is yeah. what he calls, you know, the fool's way. He blames everything on themselves. Like I got it wrong, but this time is for real. Yeah, I, I finally figured it out. They're like they're always like the bigger trip. The these are the types of people they go after money and wealth. Like if I could only get a little, it, it's you know what? It's that I don't. Once have I a get Rolls this Royce. big house, if I had a Rolls Royce, yeah, then you know the Bentley. that That's the missing thing. They're always they have this gnawing hunger, and their thing is. I'm just not looking in the right place, and they keep searching, searching in things, for it. And of course, the second one is you know, the so-called sensible man who has come to accept the morbid non-satisfaction of life that will, of course, never satisfy you. So you know, you, know, you, you, you know shouldn't what? expect anything. The whole
1: idea that there is satisfaction—that's really not true. Yeah. So you know what? And
0: you know, I'm these just are accept that. these are the grumpy, you know. People who are, you know, all these young kids thinking in their dreams and all that stuff. Like, yeah, and he, he says like, they yeah. end up being incredibly prideful and incredibly arrogant about the fact that they no longer actually enjoy anything because they're now so much wiser than everyone else. <laughs> yeah. That they realize that there isn't... Only stupid people now, are still now, looking because I've already figured out now, it isn't there. Now yeah. that they've lost even the fake fulfillment of, of, you know, going after it, so now they have nothing. They're not even the, the enjoyment of pursuing what the thing like working to go get There's it. No like hope. they don't even have the false hope. They they become incredibly prideful in their sensibility. But his thing is, you know, and then of course the third way is the Christian way, where you realize I'm longing for something, and it does exist, but it's not it's an earthly thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where these all these things about friendship the wrong way. And you know our closeness life. with people, and even yeah. food and drink, and life and sleep and everything. The reason why everything seems you just can't quite get it. it there's something you know what I mean? Like it's not quite there. Like mm-hmm. you pursue this thing because it's good, and it is good, but it's not quite. You know, it's not really like satisfying. Is because what you're longing for is the perfected heavenly version of that. That your, mm. that your soul still knows is there. You know that you're a corrupted human being in a corrupted world and you know that everything is not perfect. And you're desiring what you were made for which was a perfect world. Mm. You want a perfect world and there is one. We're just which, not in it, it yet. You might yeah. say even as a part of you know God's image stamped on man is that like God, we pursue because we have that nature, of like God in that that way. If we that's want, we want. What you
1: just said, I I, we I want, didn't
0: get that out of the book,
1: and I we want, I love it. You know we mean? want As the perfect creatures world. Made in God's image, what is the perfect We're meant world? to live
0: in God's world, which Heaven. is the perfect, the perfect world. So we're built for God's world, and to things be the way that God wants them, and they're not, and it messes with us, and we're continually pursuing that. But for the Christian, we can hold out knowing that we do know what it is and we know why we can't be satisfied. Not because the world is a dull, great okay. place that no meaning, or not that we haven't found it because of our own limitations. It's like, no, you can't get it on your own, but it is there and you will get it eventually and you will be satisfied then. Yeah. You can learn to enjoy what there is to be enjoyed in this life while you are waiting and working your way towards the ultimate satisfaction of your longing. Which, you know, is, as he's tying it all into, the Bible perpetually talks about people being thirsty and hungry for something that they cannot be, that can't be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Well, and then Christ, of course, then states,
1: you know... Blessed because, are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. I'm saying this is why Jesus... For they shall be filled.
0: Going around saying... I, it's like I'm the water. Like that hunger, that <laughs> thirst, that that i'm the, bread in the of, life. of your throat. That you know the the ultimate quench, the ultimate yeah. peaceful bliss of sleep, and you know lack of weariness, the perfected you know mind. Like all those things that you know you should be able to do that you can't
1: do. I and if any man's resilient. thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And the only if any man's hungry, let him come to me. and eat. He's Christ. he's appealing to those. And that the only way desires re- for heaven. The wow. only way to I'm, achieve I'm, it is that's by fantastic.
0: dying. Do what? Is by dying. The only way you can get to it is by dying. Is, the only way you can get, is get is to the perfect land,
2: way, which is the the ultimate physical earthly loss. You know.
0: This is the.
1: You're losing all of Earth when you die. Yeah.
0: <laughs> which this is also another listing, this is the Puddle Glum position <laughs> that states that no, this world is not everything because this world stinks. And whether heaven is real or not, we don't care because why on earth would you want to believe in this empty, broken world as the ultimate version of everything? Why would anyone want that when you could dream about real lions rather than cats and about stars rather than lamps and you know what i mean yeah well, she, the whole point of you know puddle glum being he doesn't care he's like maybe we're all kids and dreaming about these imaginary creatures and the upper world Is like but you know the fact that our imaginary world is better than your so-called perfect real world is a sign of just how ridiculous it is to even, you know, believe in this so-called real world.
1: Now, I don't know what it was that I read, but I read something this week about this. I can't believe you're bringing up, it's because like, I couldn't remember his name, Puddle Glum. Well, apparently C.S. Lewis's neighbor thought that the analogy of Puddle Gloom was hysterical. And so it caused him to do some funny behavior that really surprised C.S. Lewis' wife. So C.S. Lewis gets married to Joy, the woman named Joy, and they're getting in their car and they're getting ready to go to the airport to get on a plane for their honeymoon. Mm -hmm. And the neighbor comes up and he puts his head in the door and he goes, you know, a lot of times, these planes crash and everybody on it dies. (laughs) <laughs> and and, uh, and goes back to trimming his hedges. And apparently, C.S. Lewis broke out in wild fits of laughter because he knew that this man was being puddle-glum. Like, he knew the guy was doing it to and him as, as a way of, like, he just thought it was and funny. And the things this name yeah. would have known,
0: puddle was a real person. It was his C.S. Lewis's gardener who was this old british man well maybe that's always maybe that's who we're talking about he was always yeah, complaining about the edge. fact that you know, the weather you know it's like,
1: it's gonna probably rain again and all that it's like well you we know, might as well be cheerful about it you know <laughs> stiff upper lip british oh you mean like the guy in martin Chesworth well there's no sense in no credit in being jolly no, doing he, this job he wasn't he was just like he the was, typical he was you know the british not like
0: yeah we're all probably going to die but you know might as well why, why be down downer about it you know like,
1: Steve up a but in you know, the
0: like the grump <laughs> as a grumpy English gardener, like, yeah, it's probably going to rain and destroy the rhododendrons again, and I'll have to replant everything. Like, just the bah humbug, but he's not actually grumpy at all, he's just he just talks permanently like that.
1: So, for all of you out there listening to our Chesterton well, Institute discussion,
0: you're, you're going to perform one last thing before we're well,
1: no, this. we'll do one last thing, no, but no, I'm saying you're missing a great night. And we do this on Friday nights, and you should be at it because we're having a good time. And we might have a better time if you were here. That was just a little commercial. Unless you're out of state. I'm uh, going to post this as in a that, uh, In that case, uh, our, our closing as a podcast. will
0: just be you reading the final paragraph of this chapter.
1: Okay. Final paragraph.
0: No comments are needed for this.
1: No comments are needed. There is no need to be worried by fastidious people who try to make the Christian hope of heaven ridiculous. By saying that they do not want to quote, "spend eternity playing harps," the answer to such people is that if they cannot understand books written for grown-ups, they should not talk about them. All scriptural imagery, harps, crowns, golds, etc. is of course merely symbolical in an attempt to express the inexpressible. Musical instruments are mentioned because, for many people, not all, but many, music is the thing known in this present life, which most strongly suggests ecstasy and infinity. Crowns are mentioned to suggest the fact that those who are united with God in eternity share his splendor, power, and joy. Gold is mentioned to suggest the timelessness of heaven. Gold does not rust and the preciousness of it. People who take these symbols literally might as well think that when Christ told us to be like doves, that he meant that we were to lay eggs.